there's lots of different ways to promote material on Instagram. But if you're wanting to transfer that engagement into people spending money, Facebook is the way to go. I think it's always worthwhile to set up your social media as soon as possible. Whether you have a glamping site or not, make sure that you have some form of social media to post content. I would always recommend having a booking facility on your website for the fact that you don't have to pay for it. Essentially, that's what it comes down to. Um, sites like Airbnb, Expedia will always take a cut of your profit. Hello, and welcome to episode four of the Glamby Tech podcast. Today, I interviewed Glamby Tech's in-house marketing expert, Maury Donaldson. Maury's really switched on when it comes to websites and social media, so it was great to get his insight on what glamping site owners need to do in order to get their marketing right. I hope today's episode is particularly useful for those of you who aren't necessarily social media experts. If the advice in this episode is enough to get you going, then great. But if you need some more information, please don't hesitate to get in touch to see how we can help. Social media marketing is so, so important in bringing guests to your site, so it's really important that you take the time to get an understanding of exactly what it entails. Now, before we get stuck in, I want to say a big thank you to all those who have listened so far. We're starting to gather a bit of momentum now, we've got some really good feedback from the first few episodes. I do just have one favour to ask though. If you have Apple Podcasts and you've taken any value from the podcast episode so far, it'd be amazing if you could leave us a rating and review on the Apple Podcasts app. All you have to do is go to the Glamotech Podcast homepage on the app, scroll down and give us a rating out of five. It'll really help us boost up the podcast rankings and allow us to reach a wider audience. If you don't have Apple Podcasts and you're listening in another format, please consider sending a link to the podcast to a friend or family member that's considering getting into the glamping business. Thank you once again and I hope you find this valuable. Hi, Maury. How are you doing? I'm fine. Thank you, Nick. Yourself? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Um, as usual, uh, we'd like to get a bit of a backstory of our guests and how they, how they uh, came to be where they are today. So if you could just give us a backstory of you know, where you came from and how you joined Glamotet and what your role is today, that would be great. So um, I joined Glamotet in October 2020 after completing a master's degree in international marketing based at the university based in Edinburgh. Obviously, graduating during a global pandemic was not the best thing in the world, trying to find a job. So I was scouring LinkedIn uh, for sort of industries that interested me, being tourism, drinks, uh, media style industries as well were quite popular for me. So I then came across Callum's LinkedIn profile for Glamprotect and sent a message. And yeah, he asked me for an interview. I spoke to him on the Thursday, Friday, and I had an interview ready for the Monday. So yeah, that's how I got the job uh, after a quick interview there. And actually in the company, I started off doing feasibilities, researching there, but now I've moved more towards the marketing and I help run the social media channels, create content and do other sorts of marketing for both Glamtech, NC500 and our clients as well. That's good. So the marketing side is what we're going to focus on today. We might well have you back to talk about feasibility studies um, at some point, but that'll be that'll be for another time. So we're going to split today's discussion into sort of two sections. The first one being social media, and the second one being websites. We do both here for our clients, and we also you know put a lot of our principles into practice for our own sites and social medias. A lot of, I mean, a common question that we get from clients who know that they should be posting on social media is what sort of content should glamping sites be posting on social media so i think it's best to break this down to sort of three different categories you can start off with text images and video so if we look at text 
on a social media post, by and large, it's very boring. There's not much to differentiate you from the other company, regardless if it's a glamping company, posting a text-based post. It's not eye-catchy. It's literally just words. There's nothing to sort of draw you in. Yes, you can make it bold, but it's not exactly exciting. Uh, so it's largely unengaging. So we would recommend not doing that if you can avoid it. The next one is pictures and images. As the as they say, uh, image speaks a thousand words. So you can have this picture here. You can support it with text. And the image itself will be a lot more eye-catching. We would always recommend custom graphics as opposed to just taking a picture off the internet because that picture on the internet, everyone has access to it. So someone else could take the exact same picture, post it exactly the same as you, and there's absolutely nothing to differentiate you from that other competition. With our custom graphic, you can tailor it so you can make it say exactly what you want it to say. You can add text over the top of it. You can have, you can change the color schemes. You can do anything you want to edit that and you can post it as your own content. Lastly is videos. These are the most engaging. Uh, we see that from our own social media where we do our daily videos. We can see that those get the most engagement out of any post that we do because people don't just want to see the business, they want to see behind the business. So the daily videos that we do, it's us at home or in the workplace posting content about the business we work for. As much as it's insightful, people just like to see what goes on behind the scenes. So that's the sort of three different types of content you should focus on as a glamping business. Yeah, you stole the words out of my mouth there. I was going to say how our daily videos that we that we do, well, every lockdown, they do get the most engagements, most comments, and um, it's just just getting your name out there every day without being you know too spammy. Just a, a minute or two video every day, um, and also it gives you it gives you an idea of the people behind the business. So if you want your potential guests to well like you can also add a bit of a personal touch to your to your business as well and that's what we find with glamper tech so exactly. yeah so we we post those daily vids and all of our stuff all over socials but we also have different strategies for each different social media site so the main ones that we use are facebook instagram and linkedin and we don't think you know you shouldn't be copying and pasting content you should be you know tailoring it specifically to each platform so could you give us a bit of a a rundown on how those three platforms differentiate from each other and how um, you should be tailoring content towards each platform, please. Sure. So if we start off with Instagram, Callum has admitted, Callum, our director, has admitted this many times before, and that when he started at uh, Glamtech and NC500 Pods, he only focused on Instagram because he was what he, part of what he likes to call the Instagram generation, which most of us are uh, if you're roughly our age, so mid-20s. As much as Instagram is a great platform, it's not got the facilities to allow people to buy from it. So I would always recommend using Instagram as a sort of gallery, almost to post media content, because Instagram focuses on the use of videos and images. You can't just post text-based documents or posts. So it requires you to have media content to post alongside it, which is very good because it forces you to have it. It means you can't just post random bits of text. So in that instance, Instagram is fantastic. You can get a huge following off it. Um, there's lots of different ways to promote material on Instagram, but if you're wanting to transfer that engagement into people spending money, Facebook is the way to go. So with Facebook, you can post links to sites. You can have bookings 
available through so, um, social media, especially on Facebook. And with that, the generation that uses Facebook is slightly older. Now, as much as you may want to target your glamping site, having access to that older generation who are more likely to have a slightly higher disposable income that allows them to spend more money is going to be more beneficial for you wanting to attract people to purchase things, essentially stay at your glamping site. So that's where they differ uh, for the most part, those two. So yeah, Facebook's the one to go with if you're looking to just transfer uh, people from uh, engagement into sales. LinkedIn, as much as it's a good platform, isn't really used as much for the same purpose. So we would use LinkedIn personally for trying to find collaborations with other businesses. You wouldn't use LinkedIn for sort of promoting stays, for example, because that's not what people use LinkedIn for. They use it as a professional platform to generate business and so also connections, but it's not used for actually buying and selling. So that's where our sort of strategy differs. So at Glamprotect and NC500 Pods, we're big proponents of brand guidelines. A lot of people, a lot of the audience might not have heard of brand guidelines before. So could you just give us a rundown on what they are, please, and how they can and how clients could use them? Sure. So a brand guideline essentially boils down to a set of rules and principles that your business will follow when it comes to marketing. It utilizes the free assets you have at your disposal to ensure that you get the best return and produce the best content. What that means in essence, because it's quite complicated, is that you follow us the same set of rules that are self-imposed to produce content. Now this can cover anything from the colors that you use. So priming secondary colors. So if you look at the, the Glamprotect social media, for example, we use primarily gray, blue, and white. Um, these are the three colors we've identified as part of our logo. And they're also the colors that we use vastly in our content. We like them because they stand out, but they also help sort of support each other as primary and secondary colors. You can look at the size of the text. So when do you use full caps? When do you use lowercase? When do you have the text stand out? How bold is the text, whether it's in italics or not, where text is centered? Um, and we can apply this to a lot of stuff. So if you look at our Instagram page, for example, you'll see the logo for Glam Protect done in either one of two ways. It's usually either white if the background allows for it. So whether it's a darker background or it's on a color, that is a part of our logo because it won't stand out if you've got the blue on the blue. If you have a white background, we'll more often than not use the two-tone colors that we have. And you can expand this to everything. So it can even include things like the tone of voice that you use when writing and promoting content because you want to keep this consistent. Now, the reason that we do this is because there's a, well, actually, there's a couple of reasons behind it. First off, it keeps your post eye-catching. Um, by having it uniform and using the same colors, and the same text rules that you've self-imposed, it means that as soon as someone sees a part of that post, they'll recognize it as being part of your company's posting. Following on from that, when it actually comes to creating the content, it means that us here at the marketing team at Glamtech have a benchmark. So we know that these rules will produce a set quality of work. And it means that that is the minimum benchmark we have to reach. Now we've set that bar quite high for ourselves, but it's paid dividends knowing that we get conversions from it. We have people engaging with our posts. We have reach that we never thought we would have if we hadn't, or never thought we would get if we hadn't followed the brand guideline. So that's sort of a, a sort of whistle stop to our brand guideline is. 
Yes, I know you personally have spent time working on clients and partners brand guidelines for their social media as well. And it's something that, you know, you don't just knock out in two minutes. You, you know, you spend a lot of time prepping and working on it. Would you say there needs to be a balance between preparation and going hundred miles per hour? Because a common theme in setting up a glamping site is there is a need for, for stepping back and preparing in all sorts of areas. And one of those is social media, but there's also a need for, to just to just get on with it and start posting rather than spending your whole time planning. Um, how, how do you find the balance between prepping content and making sure you have a sort of strategy and just going ahead with it and putting stuff out there and getting results? Well, to start, even before I even answer that question, I think it's always worthwhile to set up your social media as soon as possible. Whether you have a glamping site or not, make sure that you have some form of social media to post content now. Just because you don't have a physical site there doesn't mean we cannot post content. There is a lot of ways you can do this. One thing that we've seen people do in the past and we actually actively promote people do is sort of have consumer engaging posts. So have a poll on Instagram, for example, and get them to vote on what type of kettle you're going to put in the pods. Show them the development of the land, show the pods getting delivered, and it makes people feel more engaged with the content that you're posting and your business. So that's where I would suggest doing that. And the earlier you start that, the earlier you can start creating a brand guideline. Now, moving on to your question, you don't have to follow a brand guideline, a brand guideline, sorry, as rigidly as we do here. We stick to a very rigid structure when it comes to our brand guideline. Your brand guideline could be as simple as saying, oh, this is going to be the colors that I use. And that's it. So long as the colors for example, are consistent, it, people will still recognize it as your content. So long as the way you use those colors is consistent, they're still going to recognize it as your content. The main ones I would say to focus on is your colors and your logo. If you can put your logo on something, people instantly recognize it. With regards to how fast you should do this, you can spend as much or as little time as you want on it. If all you're wanting to do is just generate a, a quick profile and you're not worried about getting an instant following, then focus on just doing the colors, like I said, because that's probably going to be the most important one. If you're wanting to expand that, you can come back and revisit it and tweak it and then constantly update it and see how the consumers engage with it because it's going to be different for every single user. Not everyone is going to be response uh, responding to the content you produce the same way as everyone else. So your target market, might have a different view on how you do this. So listen to what they want and then adjust as you need to. But we have probably been doing this for a while now and we sort of found the rhythm and the structure that we enjoy and we know we get engagement from. So that's how we stick with it as rigidly as we do. Yeah, I think that's important. Um, experimentation is necessary because as much as you might have a set target market in your head, um, you don't know necessarily what's going to work and what isn't. So I think you've got to put stuff out there see what engagement it gets you know, what, what financial returns it brings in and try and optimize and eventually you will get into a, into a groove and you'll you'll know what well you'll have a much better idea of what will do well and what won't and um but yeah experimentation is key i think Definitely. Uh, and the last part that we're going to discuss on the social media side is paid marketing a few different types of paid marketing you can do you can pay for social media ads you can also run google ads do you advocate using paid marketing for glamping sites 
So we'll split it into two, because as you identified, there's paid social and there's Google Ads. So we're focusing on Google Ads to start with. It is very dependent on what you're envisioning your site to become. So if you're wanting it to be a nationally recognized brand, then yes, 100% Google Ads is the way for you to go because you need to get your name out there, essentially. You just, need to be able to have your just, logo. Yeah, just for the benefit of the audience, Google Ads are where you pay Google to get your website at the top of the search results when people search certain things. Yeah, exactly. So um, if you've ever Googled something and you've seen an ad button or ads icon next to our website they've paid to be there and it's reflective of what you searched um so yeah in that instance if you're wanting to become the biggest and the best in the uk then by all means google ads is the way forward for you if you're focusing on a wee town in shetland and that's your glamping site you don't need to focus on google ads at all because your target market is so small um it's you usually locals or people in the rough area of the highlands who can travel a couple of hours to get to you and that's maybe as far afield as you can go. In regards to paid social on platforms like Facebook or Instagram, I would highly advise against it for the being that these platforms are free to use. You do not need to invest money in them to be recognized. If you wanted to increase your following, your reach, your engagement, there's more free channels available to you than there is to Google. So utilizing Facebook groups, if you go to an area-specific Facebook group, like if we did the Scottish Highlands Facebook group, for example, there's probably hundreds of thousands of people in that social media group. If you were then to post content in that, that is a couple hundred thousand people that will see that post. Now, not everyone's going to visit, but even if you get 0.1% of that 200,000 as a rough estimate or as a sort of guideline for that, then that is a heck of a lot of people that are going to come to your site and see the post. So that is your target market. And you can do that throughout the country as well. If you're wanting to do Google ads, you can also run it alongside free social media ads. Um, that's personally where I stand on it. Some people may disagree with me, but having done this for people in the past, that's what I sort of have advised and suggested they do. Yeah, I massively agree on Facebook groups. They're really, really good because... I mean, quite often, if someone posts something new in the group, you get a Facebook notification for it. And um, they tend to see a lot of engagement, a lot of clicks if you post it in a specific group. And we at Glamatex have actually set up a couple on Facebook. Um, so we'll put those in the description for anyone who wants to set up a glamping site. Um, yeah, you, you can. there's a lot of content that goes in there that you might find useful. And we'll put that in the description. Right, moving into part two, we're going to discuss websites. We think they're I mean, a necessity rather than a, a nice thing to have. So, Murray, why do you think every glamping site needs a website? Every glamping site should have some form of website. Um, there's features on there, such as like local amenities. So if you're in the middle of nowhere, it says, you can see these are the shops we have nearby. These are the facilities we have nearby. Um, sometimes it can be difficult to have all this information on one social media platform because it becomes really cluttered if it's all on social media. and it becomes more difficult to find the right stuff that you want to as a guest. Um, on the website, you can tailor it specifically to what you want it to say. Um, you're not restricted by the social media rules and regulations in terms of what you can say on there, what you can post. Um, and it's just, there's a lot of features you can have on a website you cannot have on social media. Um, 
So yeah, that's what I would say, especially since you can have a social media and your website work in tandem with each other, you can drive content to one from the other. And that's also a really important thing to consider as well when setting up your sites. What would you say absolute must to have on the websites? What should they look like, but also what features should they include? With regards to what they should look like, this should reflect your brand guideline. So make sure you use the same colors, the same logos, the same fonts that you've used in your other content, because it's just reinforcing that idea that that is yours. That is your color, that is your logo, that is your text, your tone of voice even. Things you should include in it, always a booking facility, some form of gallery that you can upload user-generated content to, which you can also post on social media platforms. You can have a map of a local area saying, half a mile from our site, you've got this lovely local village where there's a, a nice sort of shop. You've got lovely restaurants if you don't want to cook that evening. Site facilities include everything that your site has because this is the things that people look for when they go glamping. We see some really luxury sites throughout the UK not saying what they do and don't have in their glamping site. People go there and realise they need to bring their own towels or bedding's not included. Stuff like that. You, You need to say this so people know what to expect when they arrive. So that's where some of the main things should be and should have on your site as well. Yeah, if you're working in tandem with social media, I like to think of it as social media being more of a steady stream of info, whereas the website's a sort of directory that you can find all the information you need on there on top of a an actual booking facility where people can actually book to stay at your site. Yep. So we've talked about having booking facilities on your own website, uh, but NC500 Pods, Glampatech sort of um, resident glamping site. And we also use external booking channels like Airbnb and Expedia. Um, Is that something you'd recommend for most glamping sites? So partially, I would always recommend having a booking facility on your website for the fact that you don't have to pay for it. Essentially, that's what it comes down to. Um, Sites like Airbnb, Expedia will always take a cut of your profit or the booking fee from that or they will charge guests more to book with them through your site. So the only way you can offset this is by charging them more on these sites, which if they only know your site through Airbnb or Expedia or any other sort of channel manager, may put them off because they're paying more than what they thought they would. Um, By all means, use them together, but don't just rely on a single booking channel to do this. We use a software called Beds24, and it allows us to have all of our booking channels linked. So that's our one on our website uh, and the third party providers through booking channels always linked together through this. So you can't double book. So there's no risk of that happening. There's no risk of having an angry customer saying, oh, I thought I was booked in, but someone else's. That just can't happen with the software that we use. Um, and there's a monthly rate for that as well. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but it's pennies compared to what you can make if you set this up properly. Um, so yeah, in summary for that, I would say booking channels are all well and good, but you do have to pay for them and that pay can get quite expensive, especially if it gets cancelled because they'll ask for a refund, but the booking channel will still keep that fee. So you've lost out on that money and the um, client will expect a full refund, not just a partial one. So that's something to always bear in mind. So if possible, it's always best to direct to your website's own booking facility if possible yeah but we understand that 
you have to sort of build up that uh, customer base to do that so they're aware of the website in the first place and that's where your marketing comes into play which we already covered so uh, we I wouldn't say booking channels are a bad idea. I would say just don't focus too heavily on it because it will cost you quite a lot of money in the long run. Okay, just to round things off, um, Maury, you're part of the in-house websites and marketing team. If anyone wants to know more about how they can market their social, their, their um, glamping site, then they can get in touch. But what, what exactly do we offer on the websites and marketing side? So we offer website creation as one of our services. And with that comes a website audits, um, which can sort of fine tune the website that you want to create. We will do a full brand guidelines for you. So we'll go really in depth with it. And if we need to change anything further down the line, we can always do that as well. We will set up social media accounts for you. We can run them as much as you want. So we offer three levels. We offer level one, two, and three. Level one is where we'll create it for you and give you a post template a week. Um, and you can post it, you can reply to all the comments and you can run it yourself that way. We can do a 50-50 split where we'll generate content for you, but you'll also generate content yourself. Um, and then lastly, we can sort of do sort of what we like to call a 90-10 split. So 90% we'll run the social media, we'll generate all the content for it as well. All you have to do is let us know of any deals that you have coming up, any sort of uh, incentives you want to run, anything like that. Uh, and you also just need to reply to comments. We'll put the comments in, into a collective place for you. And then you can just reply to individual messages if they have any specific requirements as well. Brilliant. And we'll put all the contact links in the description for you to get in touch if anyone wants our services or just wants to know more. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Glampitech podcast. Please do leave us a rating review if you found it valuable. And I look forward to you joining us next week. <laughs>